Hi and welcome to Gita Girl. My name is Sharmila and the Gita Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be the best version of yourself by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. We will be simplifying and learning how to apply these lessons in our daily lives to optimize the outcome in any situation. Jessie Krishna Shaila. Jessie Krishna Sharmila, how are you? Good. Good. I'm excited about uh, today's podcast. I am too because we got this amazing question from one of our listeners in response to the last episode we did, episode 3 on dharma, and so this will be sort of a part 2 of that conversation, still continuing to talk about dharma as well as some of the other concepts we talked about before. We've had Shama on before, who is an epidemiologist. This is not Shama, this is now somebody completely new sarita who is also an epidemiologist and has this really tough question so the question is one thing i've struggled with as an infectious disease epidemiologist during this epidemic is whether the decisions i'm making on societal restrictions are creating so much disruption in the world order my decisions are based on the best science we have at the moment But there is still so much that is not known. Until we know more, many of the things we need to do involve halting the current world order so we can hope to have a world on the other side of this pandemic. It is a hard trade-off and there is harm being done no matter which path we choose. It feels like a daily battle and I would love to hear more about the guidance from the Gita. I was intrigued by this question Shayla when you sent it to me. It's a great question, but I need like the nitty-gritty of what she's talking about. So I actually reached out to Sarita and I spoke to her over the phone. We had a lovely conversation, not only about the details of the question, but also about the research I had done in response to the question which I had prepared. And it did indeed resonate with her, and at the end of the conversation with her she actually told me she goes Sharmila this is so very helpful um so here we go Sarita is an epidemiologist and she's involved in decision making and policy setting for the current pandemic we're in and she said that obviously on an individual level she's de- involved in decision making and policy setting in her home and family as we all are um and also in terms of her kids school district but on a more macro level she's actually also involved in decision making and policy setting on a state level so what sarita said was that she has to make difficult decisions which require a lot of changes in normal behavior in the world and she's observing that it's creating chaos they're making the best balanced decisions they can based on the information they have at the moment but she said they really are best guesses and the decisions are not clear cut because of the uncertainty and the uncharted territory we're in and she said it creates a lot of stress and for herself and a lot of stress and chaos in the world and they're trying to make the best decisions but no matter what they do it seems to disrupt everyone's lives and then 
to compound things and make it even more complicated when new information comes out, they have to change those decisions. And that creates even more chaos and more uncertainty. And she said she's just finding it very, very hard to deal with all of this. So basically her question was that we've done our dharma, our duty, our responsibility, we're fulfilling our role. But the question is, what if everything still goes belly up? Then what? That's her question. I can see how she feels like she has the weight of the world on her shoulders. And I mean, she's absolutely dealing with life and death matters. So I can understand how there's that anxiety about the choices you're making and the implications. And then her second question was that these decisions seem to lead to harmful outcomes, no matter what they decide. There's harmful outcomes one way or another. And so the second part of her question was, how do I reconcile the guilt and the shame and the burden of making these decisions and the outcomes that have ensued from these decisions? Absolutely. Which how do you I, untie that knot in your stomach? Which I think all of us deal with, right? That I did this, that happened. How do I deal with that guilt and baggage? It's, all of us have that, whether it's in parenting, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's at work. And I mean, she's talking about a global pandemic, but like you're saying, all of us in our daily lives struggle with this issue as well, because we never know what is going to be the consequence of an action. We just do our best at the time and keep our fingers crossed. But sometimes there are negative consequences that we have to deal with. And how how do we? Right, right. It's a tough question. You know, in this podcast, I was hoping we would sort of first go baby steps and then learn to walk before we're running. But in this podcast, the questions we're getting and the issues we're addressing, we are not running, we're sprinting. That's right. In future podcasts, I I hope to do more like basic building blocks, talking about karma and other more basic principles. But for right now, we're going to deal with this question because it's a great one. First of all, I want to say that the Gita's advice is about maximizing your performance even in difficult circumstances. That's what the Gita's advice is. It's going to help you maximize your performance so that whatever problems you have or difficulties you have can be more easily resolved. And we know the Gita is a conversation between Krishna and Arjun, and Krishna is God, and Arjun is in a terribly difficult dilemma, and he doesn't know what to do. And Arjun goes into a state of anxiety, panic, and depression where he is so confused about what to do, he can't even function. So there are 18 chapters in the Gita. And chapter three is the chapter that deals with action. Chapter three is called the yoga of action. The actual literal meaning of the word yoga is union, union with the universe, right? Union with the force, mother nature, whatever you want to call that entity that is God to you. Okay. So chapter three is titled the yoga of action, meaning how do I connect with God through my actions? Basically, how should I act that makes me make the best decisions that I'm lifting myself higher towards God? So chapter three is how do I act? Chapter 18 is the yoga of liberation. How do I become liberated from my suffering? So if you combine chapter three and chapter 18, basically, we all want to know how should I act 
and be free from my suffering? I think that's Sarita's question. How do I make these decisions? How do I do my duty? How do I act? How do I behave? And also be freed from the suffering of the anxiety and the guilt and the shame and all the rest of it of possibly making the wrong decision. Because when when you're freed from that anxiety, then you can make better decisions. Absolutely. Today's going to be a slightly different format. And all the ideas we're going to talk about, all the advice we're going to talk about today comes from these six verses. If you feel moved to look them up, please do so. And they're also going to be on our social media, Instagram and Facebook. But the verses are specifically chapter 3, verses 30 and 31, and chapter 18, verses 46, 48, 49, and 57. I see, Shayla, you are furiously writing them down on your phone so you can put it on social media so you don't have to, like, say to me, what were those verses again? I might have to ask you. (laughs) didn't write it down fast enough. Okay, so now that the technicality, the verses are out of the way, let's talk about the concepts, okay? So the first piece of advice I want to talk about is this one. Krishna says one shouldn't give up one's own duty even though it appears to be that your duty, whatever you do, is somehow going to be defective in one way or another. Because Krishna goes on to say in that same verse that all undertakings are tainted with defects as fire is tainted by smoke. So what he's saying is that no work on this planet is free from defect. And we shouldn't recoil from doing our duty because of this phenomenon This is just how it is on this planet. Nothing is perfect. And oftentimes things aren't going to be perfect. Oftentimes you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. All you can do is do the best you can with the information you have at the moment. And that's all you can do. And in her question, she says they're basing the decision on the best science. And to your point and to the Gita's point, that is doing the best that you can do, even under the most challenging circumstance, which this global pandemic certainly is. And not only is it challenging, it's unprecedented. So there is no pathway forward that's clear. While this example is really particular to this global pandemic and this extreme situation, I think it's also really relevant to parenting. It's relevant to uh, being in a relationship. It's relevant to a lot of different situations that we find ourselves in our lives where it's really uncharted territory, right? We Mm. did not receive a handbook when we became parents. You did not receive a handbook when you were a partner. You did not receive a handbook when you started work, except for maybe like an HR handbook. And while each of those come with different levels of education, like for your job, maybe you had some education leading up to that position. It still is a new situation. Parenting, you might read some books, but it's still a new situation. You have children who have different needs. And so I think this question is really relevant to a lot of situations that we may find ourselves in. And I really like the verse that said, that you just read, Sharmila, that says that there's nothing that's perfect. To expect it is 
Um, it's unrealistic. It's unrealistic. And a lot of times we chase perfection. But I love this verse. All undertakings are tainted with defects as fire by smoke. He says, you know, understand that nothing's perfect. Go easy on yourself. Right. If you're trying your best, that's all you can do. And it's never going to be perfect. On our phone conversation, when I told Sarita this verse, she started laughing. And I said to her, why are you laughing? She said, because it seems so simple and it's something I know. And I said to her, yeah, you know it, but it's different when you see it in the words of the Lord himself and you know that it's from the Bhagavad Gita written in black and white. She goes, that's why I'm laughing. It's such a relief. I can feel my blood pressure going down. What a gift. And I felt so happy that I'm on the right track and this is resonating Absolutely. with her. So that's advice number one. But then that begs the question, how do you live with the guilt or the burden of make a decision today and then a week from now or a day from now or a month from now, new information comes out and you think, oh gosh, that was the wrong decision. How do you live with the guilt of making an imperfect decision? Krishna has the answer. Always does. So this is piece of advice number two. Lord Krishna says, do everything as an offering to the universe. Do it in the form of worship, that I am doing this as a form of worship, as whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it as an offering to the universe. Then the truth is what the universe does with that offering, with your effort, it's not up to you. What Krishna says is, he from whom all beings emanate and by whom all this is pervaded. So basically, he's talking about himself, God, right? He's saying the most broad definition of God or the universe or Mother Nature or power or the force. He from whom all beings emanate, meaning that force from which everything comes, and that same force that's in everything, it's such a beautiful description of God. He from whom all beings emanate and by whom all this is pervaded, meaning the whole planet. He says, if you think that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it as a form of service, as a form of worshiping, as a form of, okay, I'm doing this for that force that is keeping me alive and I'm not doing it for my own ego. I'm not doing it for myself. I'm not doing it for anything else. I'm just doing it as a service. In, in Hinduism, we have a word called Shiva. Shiva literally means service. And I asked my son this question. I said to him, I said, you know, if you did everything in your life in this spirit of service, I'm doing this for the universe, how would it have affected your performance in your life? He said, well... I would have been a much better tennis player in high school. <laughs> <laughs> tennis in the service of the Lord. Yeah, he said it would have just like, it would have been about the point and the game. It wouldn't have been about winning and what my friends think of me and where I was in the league and all of that. It just would have been about the point in the game. It would have been much more freeing. And when I, Shayla, I don't know if you remember this, but I had a class where we discussed the same concept of doing your work and performing your duty as worship. 
I asked everybody, Shayla, including yeah. you, you're looking at me blankly because I don't know if you remember. You're like, oh, I don't know if I remember well, that. Well, I'm thinking that I, I do remember the class, but... Um, but this is honestly a couple of years ago. I looked at my notes. It's, I think, from year one, which was really like three years ago now. So I asked everyone in class that if you did your job or anything, looking after your kids or dealing with your spouse or whatever in a tough situation... If you did your duty as an offering to the universe, as a form of shava service, as a form of prayer or worship, what would your attitude be? How would it change your behavior? I asked them that. And these are the answers they came up with. They said excellence. They would definitely put in their best effort. They would definitely be calmer because they're doing it as a form of worship. Like usually when you pray, it calms you down. They said their reactions would be appropriate rather than judgmental and overreactive. They said they would have greater humility in their in performing their work. They would be a lot more detached and accepting of the results. And they said they would be more content in the workplace. And they said with this attitude, they would be more present and able to focus more. And I said, aha. So you're maximizing your performance. So this is giving your best effort. Absolutely. Those are all the outcomes that you actually want. Right. And he says the way to achieve the outcomes you actually want in terms of your performance is to have this attitude. This is the shortcut. Isn't that great? It's the perfect roadmap. He's he's so smart. I always say that. He's so smart. Why am I always surprised by how smart he is? So question number two, part two of the question was, how do you live with the guilt of making imperfect decision? I said to Sarita, if you do everything as an offering to the universe, then what the universe does with it is really not your problem. She literally jumped in and said, that's exactly it. She goes, that's it. But then she thought about it for a second and she goes, but wait, it sounds like I'm shirking my responsibility. Like, oh, I did what I did, and now it's not up Throw to me. Throw my hands Ooh, in the shrug, air. Sh- right, shrug shoulder emoji. She said, it feels like I'm shirking my responsibility. And I said to her, Krishna says, it's actually the most responsible thing to do. Because if you then have all the guilt and shame and baggage, it'll only cloud your next decision and impair your ability to make the right decision the next time. And that's what Krishna talks about as bondage. He says you're bound. You have so much baggage that you can't put the next way you down. Right. She actually thought about it. She goes, you know, you're absolutely right. She goes, that's a nugget. That's a good one. You know, honestly, I could feel even her blood pressure going down as we spoke. And it was really great for me to know that this advice resonated with her. Um, before recording it with you, Shailen, putting it out there to the planet for posterity. We know that the words of the Gita are truly helpful, but it's really great when you see it happen in real time, that the concepts are clicking with somebody and it's actually helping them deal with a particular issue. That's the goal. And Sarita is completely new. She's not a student. She's a new listener. So it, it was just great to hear feedback from her. So that's the second piece of advice. Do everything as an offering to the universe. In the Gita, Krishna goes on to say that those men, again, men or women, 
who constantly follow this teaching of mine are liberated from the bondage of action. Meaning they're liberated from that, you know how like you get so, at least I get so caught up in what I did, what I didn't do, did I do right, did I do wrong? He says, you're liberated from all that bondage, from being entrapped. And then you can think about the next thing and act in the next situation that comes up freed from that bondage and beating yourself up. And then again, you're free to maximize your performance. That's true. That How much time do we all waste on that anxiety and that worry and that regret over a decision we made mm. that maybe it was made with the best information and we did something to the best of our abilities, but the outcome wasn't what we hoped, expected, or wanted. And that time could have been much better spent thinking, okay, what am I going to do differently moving forward? Right. That's tough. Like, even as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking how my life would be so different if I could do that. It would be, it would be so much better, but it's, it, it's, it's hard. But Krishna says that if you do everything you do as an act of worshiping the universe, if you perform your duty with that mental mindset, he says, this way, man, when he says man, he means man or woman, he says, this way, man attains perfection. But then he goes on to qualify this by saying that all undertakings are tainted with defects as fire by smoke. He says, just manage your expectations, but understand by having this mindset, you are achieving perfection for you, that this is the best you could do in the moment. And that's it. There is nothing else. This is your perfect performance. What a profoundly different way for us to conceive of what perfection is, right? That that's, that's not the idea of perfection that many of us have been taught or expected to do or expect of ourselves. Yeah, because it's goal-oriented. All that matters is the end result. But that's not what Krishna is saying. He says, no, that's not perfection. Perfection is did you do your best in the moment? And that's all you can expect of yourself. It's never about the results. It's about the effort you put in and how you put in that effort. That leads me to the third piece of advice I was going to talk about, but it's so closely related to number two, do everything for the universe. Number three, he says, let go of your ego, your ownership that you did this. You gave your best effort. The results were not up to you. Right. So he says, let go of your ego, your ownership that I did this. He says, no, you offered this as a form of worship. And that was what you did. That's where it ended. You don't have any role in the outcome, positive or negative. Or not no role, no sole responsibility. Once you've given your best effort, all this advice pertains to if you've given your best effort and truly tried your best. Not, oh, I'm doing a lousy job, so what difference does it make? I'm offering this to right. God. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. The advice in the Gita is, like I said, about maximizing your performance. 
even in difficult circumstances. But Krishna says here that life is not about running away from unpleasantness. It's about resilience in being able to deal with unpleasantness without being disturbed by it. Because life has unpleasant stuff in it. But if we constantly get disturbed by it, then we can't perform at our highest level. What I really like about this and the verse where you mentioned the fire and the smoke is that there is an acknowledgement that there are a lot of things that are going to go wrong. And there's, as the, the word defect was used. And I think that's really great, actually, because it's not just painting this picture that if you do X, Y, and Z, even if your vision is higher and you're you're doing this in the service of something beyond you, that it's still not perfect, right? right? You still can't expect perfection. And I think that there's something helpful about hearing that. Yeah. He's very realistic, Krishna. Very realistic. Basically, he says, if you renounce ownership of the result, like if you let go of your ego, you said, whatever I did, I did for the universe. It's not about, oh, I made this decision, therefore I am right. Or I made the wrong decision and therefore I am wrong. He says, if you let go of your ego and just say, I did this in the service of the universe, I did this in the service of, of God with my best ability, with my best intellect and the best intentions, he says, you will attain the supreme state of freedom. Hard to do. Yeah, if I was going to say, if we can manage to do it. Hard to do. Take your ego out of it. But it's always a two-sided coin that if I let go of the bad stuff and the mental anguish, then I'm also letting go of my pride and true. my own inflated ego when things go right. That's true, because in the same way that that outcome can be impacted negatively by forces external to you, it can be impacted positively by forces outside of you. And that outcome is not yours to own. The only thing that that's yours to own was your effort. Right. And that's it. This allows us to be free from our anxiety of what we perceive to be the wrong outcome, which actually leads us to the next piece of advice from Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, let go of your expectation. He goes, let go of your hope for a particular result. He said, if you have that attachment, that hope for a pre-imagined result, he said, that is what weighs you down and that gives you such disappointment and anxiety that, again, that lowers your performance. We all have, oh, I prefer this result. And if this result doesn't happen, then I have failed or it's not what I want. He says, no, 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 no. Let go of all that. He says, discard anguish. He says, discard all your mental anguish. And the way to discard your mental anguish is discarding your preferences to a particular result. He says, that way, do your duty and you will achieve the highest level. I mean, right there, it encapsulates everything we've talked about. It encapsulates do your best, leave the rest. It talks about equanimity and just doing your dharma and not being fixated on that outcome for COVID. You're doing everything in your power through the best of science for a purpose that's bigger than you. That's where your sort of vision has to stop. 
And Krishna says, he says this over and over and over in the Gita and in these verses I just mentioned, he says, equanimity, stay calm, stay cool. That is just the key to keeping your wits about you is not overreacting. He says, resort to the yoga of equanimity. Again, yoga means union, right? He loves this idea. He keeps going back to it. Stay calm. Don't overreact. You can connect with God through calmness and equanimity, keeping your cool. I think so many of our decisions that we have such an investment in the outcome, whether it's a parenting decision or a workplace decision or any decision, when you have so much invested in the outcome, it's really hard to be calm about that, right? Because you have so many, so much personal investment. But if you took that attachment out, if you took that away, then you could actually be calm because you know that the only thing you can do is put in your best effort and not think about that outcome. And it frees you to have sort of the mental space to be calm and act in a way that is more enlightened. And also, whatever the next outcome, whatever it is, and it's not going to be how you think it is. It never Absolutely. is, right? You've saved enough energy. You have that resilience and that clarity to then say, okay, this is the next outcome. How are we can handle it? That's a great way of thinking about it, too, that you have, you have stores of energy now to deal with whatever the consequences. Rather than your energy going and clutching your head in your hands and like rocking back That's and right. forth, thinking, woe is me, woe is everybody, woe is the world. You can say, okay, so this is next. What's next? That's right. And all of these things are challenging, yes, and require a tremendous amount of practice from the staying calm to even practicing doing your best and not being focused on the outcome. All of this requires daily intention. You have to make an active choice, something that has to be practiced yeah. with every choice you make, with every decision you make, with every role that you have, with every job that you have to do. Shayla, as I'm looking down at my notes that I've written from the Gita in response to Sarita's question, the advice is so relevant to every dilemma in life. And as much as Sarita asked the question for a specific issue, I just think it's so helpful and useful for any situation we find ourselves in. Because let's face it, most problems we come across in life, there is no clear path. We make a decision with the best information and the best intentions we can. And then a lot of times the consequences are up in the air and a combination of expected and unexpected, what we want, what we don't want. Then the issue becomes, what do we do next? And I think that being able to handle the what next is really crucial to a positive outcome. For example... I'm just wondering how my behavior would have changed as a parent and my actions would have changed because I have tremendous guilt about the mistakes I made when I raised my children. As a parent, you had guilt and shame and regret. That never happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely worse if your kids constantly remind you of the mistakes. 
But um, just looking at advice one, manage your expectations, understand that everything on this planet is imperfect. Advice number two from the Gita, offer up your efforts and work as worship and offer it to the universe, do it for a greater good and then let it go. Advice three, let go of your ego ownership that I did this right or I did this wrong. Just let go that the results are because of me. And then advice four, let go of my expectation attachment to a particular desired result. And advice five, keep your equanimity, keep calm. I'm just looking at it and thinking, if I had followed even one of this advice, I would have been a much, much better parent. If I had even just understood that nothing is perfect, it would have helped me let go of my expectations and my attachment to everything being perfect, which would have led me to staying calm. I just think I would have been a much better parent and a much better person. Your intentions were still that of a caring, loving mother. Your child was still your first priority. Yes, that's absolutely true. But my performance would have been so much higher nonetheless, knowing what I know now. This is new information that I didn't know back then. And I've really only started delving into the Gita on this deeper level maybe five, six years ago, by which time my children were already in college. I did my best in the moment, so I've got to let go of my guilt. And so this way I can be a better parent in the future. So at the end of my phone call with Sarita, she said, I am tearing and internally clapping at all of this advice from the Bhagavad Gita. But all of this, like you said, Shayla, takes work and constant practice, which is why we have to start small and keep practicing. And Sarita, let us know how that works out. Absolutely. Please do. We're all on this journey together. So please share with us how it goes. And for all of our listeners, um, please join our Facebook group at Gita Girl Podcast, where we would love to continue this conversation and hear more about your challenges and Um, your triumphs in terms of practicing what we are talking about on these podcasts. Also, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Geet the Girl Podcast. We are this, we're super excited that this podcast can be found on Amazon Podcasts, on Spotify, of course, on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, and on our website at geetthegirl.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. Ask us a question. Who knows? You might find your question inspiring a podcast. And um, thank you for listening. And as you are working on yourselves, we are also working on ourselves. So thank you for giving us this opportunity to learn something from your questions and um, to improve ourselves so we can all evolve. Jesse Krishna. Jesse Krishna. Vasudevasutam devam Tansu januramardanam Devaki paramarandam Krishnam vannev jagat guram